Hey, hey, everybody. Before we get started with today's very, very exciting interview, I wanted to remind everybody to go to techtalkspodcast.com and sign up for the free 30-day personal growth challenge. In your inbox every day, you're going to get a short motivational quote and an action item that'll take you five to six minutes to do every day. And the goal is if you complete the 30-day challenge at the end of 30 days, you'll have a complete mindset shift after that. Today, we're hanging out with Matt Sheehan, Chief Operations Officer of Missions.me, a global ministry focused on uniting churches under mission trips of immense magnitude. Matt and I met on a mission trip to Honduras back in 2013 and just stayed in touch over the years. Matt shares everything from the historic founding of the organization to how they've adapted during the pandemic, some of our kids' favorite movies, and how you can still have an impact during this time. This conversation was such a blessing to me, and I'm confident it'll bless you as well. Enjoy. Welcome to the Tech Talks Podcast, helping you turn adversity into victory. Whether you're an entrepreneur, corporate professional, or stay-at-home parent, the Tech Talks Podcast provides relevant advice and inspiration as you navigate your career, calling, and daily life. Let's get started with your host, Matt Tech. I want to thank you for your willingness to to join the show. You and I connected oh, back in, I think it was 2013 on a team leader call before yeah. heading to Honduras for One Nation One Day, My gosh, which was a massively scaled mission trip. I've never seen anything like it before. Wow. I was blown away with, with two things from you, Matt. One, the level of faith that you had or have mm-hmm. and your standard of excellence when communicating to the rest of us leaders. So as we wow. record this, we're in the middle of this of this pandemic, and over the years, I've watched not only your organization impact countless more lives, but I've also watched you and your wife stand in faith through some pretty amazing and challenging things, especially with your children. Yeah. And right now, I, I think some people need a boost of their faith right now, but I also believe that this quarantine has awakened a deep desire in the human wow. condition to want to serve others. And so I think yes. that you can help with with both of those. So that being said, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. Honored to be here, man. Thank you for asking. Um, and yeah, I, I remember, uh, yeah, that first Honduras trip, what a whirlwind that was. Uh, just so crazy. You were a part of that. And we've just been kind of following each other uh, via the gift of social media here the past couple of years. Uh, but did, did we hang in, in the St. Louis area also? I believe Dominic came to speak. I traveled with him and we spent like the weekend together. Uh, you kind of hosted us graciously. Yeah. Dominic came to speak. You, yep. you joined us. I remember exclusively taking you guys out and treating you to St. Louis style baby back ribs. That's it. That's yeah. it. Oh man. So good. And you guys were the ones that so educated good. me on overeating. Apparently when you take that breath, you're done. That's like yeah, the one no, thing that I remember. You got to press through that. You got to press through. You got to keep, you got to, especially when you've got that St. Louis barbecue. That was a good time. That was a good time. It was. I I still remember it. I still remember that meal. That was, that was a great weekend. So, so for those that don't know, tell us a little bit about yourself, Matt. Yeah, man. Well, I, um, I've been doing this, uh, missions.me one nation one day thing, man, since I graduated college. I, uh, I went to Oral Roberts University, didn't know a soul, wasn't, actually a real fan of, of the university, uh, just really felt a strong leaning uh, from, from God, you know, 
and, and um, was able to, uh, you know, get there in 2002. And I connected with Dominic Russo, who was just a year older than me. He was a sophomore. I was a freshman and we were placed on the same floor together. Uh, and God just knit our hearts together, man. Mm. Uh, and we had an incredible uh, group of, of friends there. And, you know, we had, you know, prayer times together and we just, we experienced God for the first time in, in a lot of different ways together. Um, wow. you know, and, and God really broke our hearts for the nations in those years. And it was, uh, it was just an immense time of growth for me, immense time of growth. I know for Dominic as well. And, and he birthed a lot of things for the vision of this organization through Dominic in those years. And he was a theology major full on, like born to be a preacher, to bring the gospel, yeah. to do missions. Like that is what he was created to do. And I was, uh, I was a business major and I was still trying to figure that out. And, uh, so I naturally through some of my business projects taught myself how to do a bunch of creative, uh, some creative skills, uh, you know, design, video editing, web design, uh, and just a whole marketing package, kind of Jack of all trades, master of none. You know? <laughs> and I kind of bounced out of college, not knowing what I was going to do. And, and Dominic was just kind of launching this organization. And he, he asked me to, to come on board and to kind of run be that one man show for the, be a creative department unto myself. Yeah. Uh, which was an absolutely not just blast to undertake. Uh, and it was just kind of a couple of us grinding this thing out and really dreaming into, uh, what missions in the 21st century was, would look like, you know, in 2005, yeah. 2006. Uh, and, you know, we were able to, to really grow this thing. Um, and I can share more about the vision later, but, um, yeah, met my wife there moved to Michigan, relocated right where Dominic kind of launched this thing. Um, uh, my wife there in 2010, we've been married almost 10 years now. Wow. Uh, and we've had four kids. We have four under seven. So, um, like I was saying earlier, my house in the middle of quarantine, you know, <laughs> is a is borderline natural disaster, state of emergency. Uh, a lot of different things going on there. You know, we're, we're homeschooling them. We're trying to get TikTok famous. <laughs> you know, we're, we're challenging uh, the, the max level our, our stomachs can handle as far as food that we eat throughout the day. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to avoid sliding backwards physically, mm -hmm. to be honest. Let's, let's try to maintain in this, in this season, yeah. you know, and not lose ourselves. Uh, and, and we're just staying sane now, you know, uh, as we're, we're trying to endure trolls too eight times a day oh. uh, as the kids just got that thing on repeat. So it's a blast, man. Uh, life is good. We, we moved to Southern California in 2017 uh, and have been here three years. Um, and obviously the great, you know, weather, uh, the beaches are close by, uh, Disneyland's up the street, Legoland's down the street. It hmm. is a great place to live. Uh, but more than that, God has really taken us and our entire team now at missions.me just to the next level and that people he's introduced us with and aligned us with and, and the, just the leaders in our lives that are constantly providing wisdom and direction. And, and uh, it's just been absolutely astounding. So just as I even talk through this, just the journey that he's had us on um, has been incredible, has been mind blowing. Uh, so yeah, here we are in 2020 in the middle of a pandemic, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot to digest. We have not yet seen, trolls world tour yet oh bro don't do it so i'm a little envious but at the same time i think that it can wait yeah after the next three or four or five times i might change my tune a little because i remember being excited seeing the first trolls with my daughter and yeah it just got old and mm -hmm. right now with my son he's he's uh he's four 
And right now we've watched Wreck-It Ralph like 30 times during this quarantine. That's it. And it was funny the first couple of times. Now I'm sick of it. <laughs> exactly. Now I'm sick of it. And that's not, that doesn't even have the music. It's the music that's the real struggle. Really? Because that gets inside your head and does not want to leave. <laughs> Those, you know, those movies are just loaded song after song of like pop remixes from the 90s. Yeah. Like they Spice Girls and Who Let the Dogs Out and like the, the 20th time of that, you know, you want to, you know, start thinking about relocating your eardrums. So uh, it's, yeah, it's, uh, you, it can wait. It can wait, man. Now I get, I get the areas of California totally mixed around. I think Southern's and Northern, Northern's and I don't know where anything is. Where is Los Angeles? Los Angeles is Southern California. Perfect. Uh, uh, San Francisco would be kind of considered NorCal, although it's kind of Central Cal. Okay. Uh, and, and then, so in Southern California, you have LA and then Orange County. We live in Orange County uh, as you're moving south. And then you've got the big Marine base and you've got San Diego. Uh, all just incredible, beautiful places. De- definitely high, high density in population. Mm-hmm. Different, different world than what you're living in right now in the rural, rural Midwestern America. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we absolutely love it here. It's, it's actually been a very kind of a, an okay place to be for, for this pandemic. Mm-hmm. We're able to go outside. The restrictions in Orange County aren't as crazy as they are in LA. LA is shelter in place. Orange County is a little bit more relaxed. So we've been getting out, hanging out, exercising, bike rides, taught the kids how to ride the bike. Cool. Uh, and yeah, so I think they just are opening up some of the beaches this week as well. So things are starting to trend in, in the right direction. Yeah, this past January, I was in the Los Angeles area. I was in Redondo Beach. Oh, beautiful. I, yep. I did a lot of traveling earlier this year and later last year, but I was in I was in Redondo Beach, and then we spent some time going to some restaurants in Manhattan Beach, and then I got to visit some friends in Long Beach. And even in January, the weather was pristine and perfect. I couldn't believe it was the oh. dead of winter because I come back here and there's, you know, six inches of snow on the ground. Exactly. It's a, it's paradise. It's the, pro- it's the promised land. <laughs> the promised land. You know, we've made it to the promised land. We were in the, in the wilderness. I lived, I grew up in Chicago, which uh, kind of Western suburbs of Chicago. Oh man. Uh, then four years in Tulsa and then 12 years in, in the Detroit area. Uh, so yeah, snow up to the stop sign. Can't see around the corner, risking your life every time you get in the car Oh yeah. Uh, for six months a year. Clouds, you know, mid levels of depression, and now <laughs> we are. We got sun all the time out here. It's 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 amazing. It's it really is. It's a it's an incredible place to live. You said western suburbs of Chicago. I don't think we've yes, talked sir. about this before. What town did you grow up in? Uh, Wheaton. Yeah, if you heard of Wheaton, Wheaton College, I sure yeah, have. I like right there. Like I went to grammar school on the campus of Wheaton College. You know, Billy Graham, Billy Graham Center. Uh, just kind of a incredible history there, uh, church history there, uh, really over the past 1500 years. Um, and then, yeah, bounced out of there for, for Tulsa in, in 2002, but my whole family is still there in the Chicago. Oh, wow. I grew up about 30 minutes North of Chicago in a little town called Zion. Come on. Yeah. I've heard. Yeah. Of that. Yeah. We lived up there. That's where I grew up. All world. Come on. I did not know that. That's ridiculous. I can't believe we look at us. We've never put that together. That's yeah. crazy. So, Let's go back to missions.me for a second. Basically, what I heard is that it started from you and Dominic in a college dorm room, I guess you could say, from yeah. from his passion to preach and your passion for God mixed with your education for business. Give us like a give us like an overview. What's happened since then? How long has that been? And where are you guys at right now? 
Yeah, that was uh, everything was kind of launched in 04. So we've been we're 16 years in now, man. And 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 then, like I was saying, the journey has been just monumental. Uh, and so we kind of started with this. You know, if you know a lot about missions, or you know, kind of a lot about what what parachurch organizations or churches or evangelists were doing, kind of through the 80s, 90s, 2000s, it was this model of kind of the man on the stage. Come see the man on the stage, hear the gospel and it'll change your life and have an encounter with, with Jesus right there. So we kind of saw this uh, model of these preachers would, would drop into a nation and ask the local churches there to kind of build them a platform, you know, let everybody know, gather their people, you know, this event is coming, right? We're going to have miracles. We're going to see God move in incredible ways, mm. show up there for a couple nights or one night, and let's let's just have a big you know, what they call a harvest, right? Just mm-hmm. we're going to harvest, you know, people are going to get saved, right? So um, we kind of saw that obviously working really well for a time, but as uh, technology grew, as churches got stronger in some of these third world nations, you're, you're going into these nations and they're not, you know, these, these churches in huts anymore. We're talking there's mega churches, mm-hmm. there's incredible leaders, right? There's a, there's a shift. God is, is just was blowing up the local church, I think, in a lot of ways through these events. Uh, but, but also, we saw a shift happening where uh, we kind of said, what if we came in and built a platform for the local church for them to be promoted, for them to start to disciple nation, their wow. nation? You know, and so, um, you know, traditionally, I think we, the church kind of is their own little club. Like, we're going to hang over here. You guys, world, you do what you do right? We're going to be here. Come join us if you want. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what we saw was, you know, in in the Great Commission, you know, Jesus said to go and disciple nations. He didn't say to get response cards. He didn't say to count Mm. hands raised. He said to disciple nations. And so to disciple someone, we say, you know, you have to lead them. So how do we position the church to lead their nation? Uh, And so it would be uh, really the infiltration of every sphere of influence. You know, how do we partner um, celebrity? How do we partner the government? How do we partner the business sector? How do we partner education? You know, really, you look at the cabinet of a government. We worked with the Honduran government in 2013. You know, every, from the Minister of Health, Minister of Education, across the board, how do we have believers, uh, kingdom mindset, uh, huge faith, kind of injected into every sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. How do we connect them with spiritual fathers and leaders in the nation so that, you know, they have a voice, they have a significant voice of influence in their nation, are able to kind of guide some of these leaders as they lead their nation. So uh, we saw that kind of manifest for the first time in, in Honduras, uh, which we referenced a couple of times. We were able to meet with the president of the nation, which at that time, Honduras was the most violent nation on the planet. There were 22 people being gunned down in the streets every single day, wow. uh, which per capita me, me, meant it was the most violent nation on the planet, mm-hmm. like the most dangerous place to be, the most dangerous streets to walk. Uh, and so it was in a, in a position of crisis, right? The nation, like there's not a lot of hope. There's not a lot of, you know, faith for the future. People are trying to get out of the country, not press in and make it better. So we found ourselves, I was, I was 27, Dominic was 28. And we're in the, the, the office of the president of a country. Mm-hmm. You just obviously feeling very intimidated, feeling very like, God, how the, how the heck did this happen? 
And uh, we just, we, our faith just went huge. And we're like, let's just ask them. Let's just, let's just paint the vision. So we asked them to make One Nation One Day a national holiday. Mm. We asked for a full government partnership. We want both sides of the aisle there. We need a, a model of unity. We need the Dems and the Republicans there, the conservatives and liberals all in on this thing. You know, we'd love tax exemption for our team who's coming in. We're going to bring 2,000 people. We want to bring in containers upon containers of aid to give to your people. Give us that, that tax-free. Make that happen for us. And then we ask for, uh, we want every stadium in the nation to gather. And we want those stadiums for free, preferably. Yeah. Uh, and so we were able to send 2,000 crazy missionaries, one of them named Matt Tech, <laughs> came to Honduras. We spread into every state across the nation. Every capital city ran aid programs, school programs, uh, medical clinics. And then we gathered half a million people in those stadiums at the same time on the same day for one nation one day and, and had an incredible moment of unity, reconciliation, forgiveness, uh, just a lot of those things that a nation in crisis needed. And they were able to unite under that banner. Um, and what we saw in the following year, we don't take any credit for it. This is not us. This is the Honduran people. But we saw uh, decreased levels of statistics in violence. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw suicides drop, homicides drop 40%, domestic violence drop 38%. We saw a banner year for schools, highest attendance, highest graduation wow. rates, just immense things after our teams were in every government school in the nation. And so this was just kind of like, wow, this is God's model potentially for the 21st century. Man. You know, he wants to do things bigger. He wants to, uh, you know, promote his church to lead. And this is kind of what it can look like. That was a question that I was going to ask. Is missions.me tied to a specific church? And what I'm hearing is no, it's actually, it actually supports the capital C church. Yes. Capital C global church. Exactly. Awesome. We, we consider ourselves not parachurch, but pro-church. Gotcha. And we know that the hope of these nations and the hope of the world, frankly, is not an evangelist or a parachurch organization. Right. Or, you know, it is the local church. That is the hopeless world. And so that is our goal. Whether it's teams that we bring with us from local churches across the world, we want those people to, we want to send them back better. We want those leaders to explode in growth. You know, we, we, we say our trips are kind of a leadership greenhouse, a place where people can come and just grow immensely in a short amount of time. Right. And then we're also supporting and trying to build up those local churches in the nations we're in. Yeah. You know, Matt, I got to share my side for a second. I didn't plan on doing this, but we talked about Honduras and it sounds like Honduras was a was a big launching point for your ministry. Mm -hmm. If I could just share my perspective for a second, I don't know if yeah. I'm sure that being one of the leaders of this organization, maybe you appreciate the viewpoint of one of the missionaries, even though I was one of a large amount. Absolutely. When Dominic came to my church and had announced that this is what we were going to do, I had an immediate pull on my spirit. And I told my wife, I was like, I think I need to do this. So I told some other friends, prayed about it. So the biggest thing I heard was like, dude, do you know what's in Honduras? And same thing you mentioned, you know, violence, drugs, mm -hmm. murder, all that stuff. And I kept telling him, I was like, I, I think I'm supposed to go. You know, I looked up the <laughs> website, you guys talk a lot about security being safe, making sure that the missionaries are protected. So the, the violence thing didn't really scare me, but mm -hmm. it was, it was going to an unknown place. I had only been saved at that time for maybe, maybe three years at the time. I still felt my faith was very, very young and not ready for it. But what happened was my personal trip got funded in like seven days, which I couldn't believe. 
you know, I just reached out to a couple of, of friends and family, a bunch of them backed it. And I told my wife, I was like, okay, I'm going, I'm paying the money and I'm going. Wow. So we got there and correct me if I'm wrong. That was the first time that a Boeing 747 or 737 had landed in the country of Honduras, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. That's insane. um, that was originally not uh, not going to happen because the, that airport was not equipped or upgraded to the level to accept the 747. Mm. It was a double-decker plane. It's 500 passengers. And we cycled that plane from Miami to San Pedro Sula, Honduras three times to bring in our entire team. So we had this all arranged. And then the Honduran government's like, oh, you can't land that here. <laughs> we're like, okay. So like, you could land in Panama and drive over. Like, So we're going to land in Panama and drive 2,000 people like no we're, we can't do that so we 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 met with the the government again and asked them to upgrade their runway which they did and then they uh, then there's a bunch of other things emergency vehicles on standby uh, they had to make a uh, a ton of different upgrades but they did it mm-hmm. and then they gave us armed military escorts for all of our teams like they bent over backwards to make this thing happen i've never seen i'm 36 you know i haven't seen it all um, and I know incredible ministries are doing things, but fav- that level of favor with the government for them to invest that type of resource uh, into a, a missions program was <laughs> just like, <laughs> it floored me. And I think it, it completely restructured the way that we, uh, our faith, our whole concept of faith, like what is possible? Yeah. I didn't think about it from that perspective. So from my perspective, the, thing, the things that I remember the most are Brian and Jen Johnson being in Miami, which was stellar. Mm-hmm. And then flying to Honduras, landing. I think we landed like one or two o'clock in the morning and there were hundreds <laughs> of people there, news crews. And I couldn't <laughs> believe that the runway was filled with people. It was a packed airport. Thankfully, we landed in San Pedro Sula. That's the city that I was assigned to. So I didn't have to drive all over the country. I was, I was already there, which was awesome. But yeah. I remember Carrie Joe being there, which was, which was amazing. I remember 130 degree with humidity heat. <laughs> yes, sir. Lots of sweating. Having to wear <laughs> jeans. I do remember being on the bus. <laughs> I remember being on the bus and wherever we were going, we had armed military on the front and the back and they would, they were stopping traffic yeah. So we could just plow through red lights, bro. get to where we needed to go without stopping. And in my mind, I'm like, what? Why are they? This is insane. Like these folks must want something to happen, yeah. whether consciously or unconsciously to allow this kind of stuff to take place. And dude, the thing that I remember the most, I will tell you is fast forward to the end. So you mentioned all the stadiums. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this, but on that day, was the day that it rained the most. And they were outdoor stadiums. Right before the event, yeah. We ended up driving up to the soccer stadium in San Pedro Sula, and it was a muddy pit mess out there. (laughs) And dude, that stadium was still the most packed that that stadium has ever been. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the most incredible moments of my life. That day was a turning point for me, Matt, in my faith. And I came wow. back home and that's when my walk with the Lord just hit a whole new level. So I, I appreciate you doing what you do with this. It's incredible. Wow. That is incredibly moving for me, man, to hear. Um, uh, <laughs> you don't realize, you know, cause I'm a logistics guy. I'm an operations guy, right? I'm, I'm just stuck in the numbers and the, the mo- people movements and, you know, 
flight manifests and hotel <laughs> records and like meals and all that stuff. And, and sometimes you, you, you do get caught up in the call to business side of ministry. Uh, but, but things like this is why I just committed my life to this, you know, is, is for stories yeah. just like that and experiences just like that. Well, I'll take it one step further for you. One of my best friends today, even to this day, was the translator that I was assigned, Elvin Salgado. No way. Wow. The winter after One Nation One Day, Elvin flew to St. Louis to visit me and stayed with us for Christmas. And it was his first time ever seeing snow in his life. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, my daughter was so young. He spent the week with us. He, uh, <laughs> it was like negative 20 degrees. And as soon as that wind hits him in the face, out if he gets out of Lambert Airport. Uh, can't even breathe. <laughs> he had this look on his face that was like, I don't know what to feel. Exactly. Either scared or excited. But he did ask if he could shovel my driveway that week, which I was glad to oblige. Oh my gosh. And let him. The greatest people. The greatest people in the world. But man, him I and I still, him. we still talk every week. Every week, Elvin and I talk. That is so beautiful. I love that. And, and our team... A core of our Latin team that kind of direct all of our operations in, in Latin America are from Honduras. Um, and they've become some of our greatest friends. And we've run together for 15 years now. Man. Uh, it's insane. But yeah, that snow, man, when those, because we uh, we've got 202 orphanages in, in India too, a very hot and dry place. Mm-hmm. And we had our, our director come out a couple of years ago and he went to Detroit <laughs> and he got slammed in the middle of January. I remember this, it was Super Bowl weekend, so it was probably early February. And I'm telling you that that guy had more clothes on. He looked like he was going on a, an, some kind of expedition to Antarctica. I mean, he was loaded down head to toe, face mask, everything. He was terrified. Oh, man. <laughs> he was going to freeze. Oh, it is so entertaining. Elvin shoveled that driveway, came in, nose running, face red, hand mm. super red, but smiling ear to ear yeah. because it was just like a first for his life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned that you're you're the you're the logistics guy. What with an event of this type of scale, you mentioned, you know, being in your 20s sitting in the office of the president of a country. How does that happen? Like what are some of the the logistical things that you've figured out to be able to make these things happen so smoothly the way that you did? Well, it's great that you said so smoothly because uh, you know, that is not my experience. Yeah, but that's that's great. Uh, you know, we all of our leaders in our leadership training, mm-hmm. you know, one, one of the 10 things we teach is, is be a shield, right? As leaders, we are a shield for, you know, some of those logistical issues. And, and almost as parents too, you're a shield, you shield your kids, you shield the yeah. people following you from yeah, that's just good leadership. You know, the craziness of the, you know, that goes on behind the veil. And so I would say, man, <laughs> I, we leverage everything for these one nation one days. Like if it gets canceled or something doesn't work out, like in 2017, we went to Nicaragua, you know, and if you know anything about Nicaragua, the political landscape, you know, the Ortegas, you know, this, it's an authoritarian socialist Hmm. uh, government. He's, he's probably, he's the closest thing to a dictator. I think he can get, he, he changed the constitution so that, you know, um, unlimited terms, no term limit. Uh, He just keep getting reelected. And then oh, wow. he also changed it so that he could elect and appoint his wife as vice president. So you just have all of these conflicts of interest happening. Incredible tough place. So we scheduled everything. We had the team. Everything was going full steam. And, mm. and they just cancel all of our school sites two weeks before wow. the event. Planes taken off in two weeks. Everything's canceled. 
right? And so if things like that, obviously we got it all reversed. We petitioned every mayor, every politician in every state, and we got it all reversed on day one. So it was fine. But, you know, all that to say, if, if something, you know, like, like COVID happens or war breaks yeah. out of one of these nations or something, and these things get canceled, like we will be devastated. Like we push all the chips in, right? And I think, I think in life, whether it's business or whatever, there's moments in mm-hmm. life where you're like, all the chips are in, this better work or else I'm bankrupt or else it's all over, right? You're taking all the risk because you know this is what you were born to do. This is what God has told you to do. This is your moment, right? And we do that every time One Nation One Day comes around. Uh, and so logistically, it's it's really just, it's it's got to work. Let's, let's make it work. Let's figure out any way to make it work. We've built wow. a great team. But that first one, Honduras, that first One Nation One Day, it was just me. It was me. I brokered every hotel. I scheduled every every meal. Really? I, you know, we had a oh team my goodness, three. just I had no so idea. Small, so yeah, we had three staff members, and I don't know if you remember, bro. If you're in Miami, you remember that room outside of the Brian and Jen Johnson, which totally excellent on stage. <laughs> but then you go out in that lobby, and there's boxes everywhere, just people scrambling and people crying, and like <laughs> I just I remember it a lot differently. I had to deal with all those things, but uh, you know what? it's totally worth it. I would have thought there was at least a hundred people with missions.me. I'm serious. Like I, to this day, man, I had no idea that it was just three of you pulling off this gigantic feat and man, the lives, the lives that were changed. That's wow. That's insane. It was myself. Wow. Goodness Mm -hmm. gracious. Mm -hmm. So you basically just kind of learned as you went on this. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. You went, and there's a lot of things you can do in, in, you know, in other countries that you can't necessarily do in, in, in America, sure. like the ways you can negotiate in different things. And, and so it makes, and people are really hungry for business and they're hungry for obviously 2000 Americans coming in. Yeah. Uh, so you're able to get really just incredible, um, you know, to just negotiate incredible things and make massive stuff happen on low budget. Well, that I can understand because I'm in the hotel industry. I don't know if you knew that, but I'm kind of on the receiving end of, of some of these big, what we call citywide events. And so I'm, I'm very familiar with how hotels and restaurants and transportation companies have to kind of band together to make a big event happen. Mm-hmm. So I didn't understand that at the time. I've only been in the industry like four years, but I understand it now. You mentioned that when Nicaragua canceled, all the chips were in. Where does missions.me find itself right now amongst the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah. So uh, we are actually in the midst of something we're calling one day LA, uh, which is our first domestic campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was something that kind of launched out of many conversations with incredible spiritual fathers and leaders in, in Los Angeles. You know, like I said, we're from the Midwest. We have no business creating, <laughs> you know, leading or spearheading, being the face of an event in LA. We, we have to, and that's one of the things when people ask, how do you do this? Everything starts with the spiritual fathers of a nation. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're going to see revival, we need commitment from the, the men and the women of God who have been praying and fasting for their nation for decades, who've given up everything for, for the salvation and for revival in their nation. And so mm-hmm. it starts there. And so that's, you know, it was kind of born out of some of those conversations. Pastor Tommy Barnett, Matt Barnett, uh, they were with us in Honduras in 2013. They brought us to LA that next year. And pretty much challenge us, what if this could happen in America? What if we could see that level of hope injected, unity injected, love, service injected into America and into an American city? 
uh, and it challenged us big time. And our first thought was like, why LA? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, if we're going to start somewhere, let's start in like Kansas City. Let's start in Tulsa, like the, the bubble, the Christian bubble of the country mm-hmm. where, you know, we'd have tons of churches ready to go, make it really, really easy. But why LA? And I think it's, uh, I think the answer, obviously, LA is a city that shapes the planet. You know, the message is being packaged up and shipped across the world out of Los Angeles through media, through Netflix, through Hollywood, changes the world, influences culture across the planet. Wow. And so if God can do it in LA, he, that gives us a voice, that gives him a voice uh, across our country and into the world. Wow. And so, you know, LA is obviously the loudest, cult, most culturally diverse, 40% of people speak Spanish, which is great because we have so many Spanish speakers on our team and have run with us for years. Uh, but it's, it's a difficult place to, to, it's a loud place to, to do something big. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, we had the incredible buy-in and everyone said it's 2020, got to do it in 2020. This is the time. As you look back to 2016 and, and kind of the national conversation that was created out of the election, I think regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, you know, re- re- Republicans or Democrats, I think we can agree that the conversation is not a good one. You know, it's not fun to watch the news. It's not fun to go on Facebook and debate your friends. Sure. It's not fun to be sitting at the Thanksgiving table and, you know, you watch your, your family members go at it, you know, <laughs> over some of these issues in the world right now, in our country right now. It's a negative and a, div- a divisive conversation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's almost culturally and in that conversation would be, we, we see the nation in, in crisis, right? In a lot of ways, mm-hmm. might not be people starving, which obviously with COVID that, that has changed. It may not be people hungry. It may not be people on a mass scale, uh, like you would say in a, in a, in a, you know, a third world nation. But what we see, um, is, is this conversation. And so, Everyone was saying 2020 has got to be the year. It's probably just going to be worse. Another election, no, more divisiveness, more separation, you know, class, race, uh, all these different things that separate us. What if it happened in summer 2020 before the election, in the midst of all this, the church, capital C church stood up and said, we're going to serve and love beyond all those things, beyond all the things that separate us. And the campaign name is Love Has No Limits. You know, we, that's the message that we want to get out there is that real love, not the word, not, not the love that the world has created, but real love, unconditional love, love that Jesus authored, right? As we saw it in the New Testament, it's a love that has no limits. It does not stop. It does not, has no end. It goes beyond everything. So our plan was 20,000 people, like let's times it by 10, let's get 20,000 people. <laughs> yeah. Let's do service projects across LA from the Valley down to South LA, East LA, downtown LA. Let's attack homelessness as we see that's a national issue right Mm -hmm. now. Let's attack the foster care system. LA is number one in the amount of kids in foster care. And half of all foster care kids are either homeless, end up homeless or end up incarcerated. Huge, huge issue. Uh, Let's attack beautification project. Let's serve and love schools that are, don't have the finances or the, or the human resources to, Mm -hmm. you know, keep their facilities nice. So we, we, let's do medical clinics, right? So we, we have all these different initiatives happening and then let's gather together after we've loved for six days, let's gather together in the Coliseum, you know, a, a site where Billy Graham gathered 137,019, I believe 63, uh, site of the Olympics in 84, like a historic iconic location in LA. Let's gather and celebrate love and do a concert and then challenge really the city to get involved. This is not the end. This is the beginning get involved and do something, uh, you know, in your city to make someone's life better, whether that's volunteering one day a month, whether that's donating, 
And here's all the champions in LA. Here's the churches who they're not. Here's the nonprofits that are doing it day in, day out, decade in, decade out, and and serve alongside them. And that in that way, right, we empower again our goal. Let's empower and build and build a platform for the local church for people doing things to build the kingdom to really gain influence uh, and, and and kind of begin to lead on another level. Wow. So all that to say, COVID-19 hits, right? And so now we just think, you know, and I think this is the challenge everyone has is, is there's massive opportunity in this crisis. Let's not look at it as a delay. Mm-hmm. Let's look at it as a pivot. How can we pivot? How can we adapt? How can we change to grasp that opportunity that's there? You know, you've probably seen the memes and all the different, you know, things like Uber <laughs> was launched in 08 out of the recession. Yeah. And, and DoorDash and Facebook exploded through that and social media exploded through the recession. You know, so there will be tons of opportunity. Let's find the, the wisdom from heaven and let's pivot to, you know, to, to what he ha- has planned in this time. Mm-hmm. And I think you look at the word and Paul was on his way to Rome. He gets shipwrecked on Malta, you know, total crisis, total, just God, where are you? The whole island gets saved. So there is this opportunity we can grasp in the midst of this crisis. And so that's what we're working on right now. What can One Day LA look like in the midst of this, this COVID-19 environment? So we're going to be building out a lot of different options for churches and nonprofits to still serve on a massive scale, but just within several different restriction environments you know, that we expect to see. It could be shelter in place. It could be social distancing. It could be full on back to normal life, mm-hmm. so-called. Uh, so we're prepping really for anything at this point. Well, God knew COVID-19 was going to happen. You know, and you know, what sure. the what, you know the enemy's taking this opportunity to tell people not to go to church, not to tune in, and all that stuff. But if you look at the numbers, Matt, what we're finding is that more people are attending church from their living room than have ever attended churches ever. before. It's up like four hundred percent. Yeah, I believe it's incredible. Insane. And even typically in the American church, if there's less people in the seats then less people give. And let's just be frank, the church needs money to survive. That's how it can keep the lights on. That's how it gets this word to you. How do you think that they're getting the message to you right now via technology? They got to pay for it. But mm-hmm. at least at my church and a few other churches here in the area, what they're seeing is that giving is actually drastically up during this time. Even, wow. even when people are making less money and no one's in the building, they're still able to function. They're still able to do the things that they need to do. And I think it's because there's there's this there's this global need we've done so many things to keep ourselves satisfied and satiated well now now we're all home now we're all lonely and now we're really figuring out hey maybe i don't have it all together you know maybe i should look in to see who jesus actually is and that's why i mentioned earlier that i think that there's this desire that's awakening within human beings right now who are isolated and lonely more people are yeah. wanting to step up and serve in a new way. So the fact that you guys are positioning yourself for whichever way it happens, you guys are giving mm-hmm. people an opportunity to serve. Absolutely. Because you're pro-church, you welcome anybody. I'm probably safe to assume that there's people who have actually come to know the Lord through serving in the program, correct? 100%. Yeah, no, we'll get every every year, you know, as we're kind of talking with churches and encouraging them to commit a team and, you know, bring a couple people with them. They ask the question, would it, is this something that like someone that may not be on a journey to Jesus right now, 
is this going to be a win for them? And we say every time, 100%. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is an inclusive team. This is for anybody. Anybody can love. Anybody can give. Anybody can step into someone's life and just be that moment of that, that encounter with hope, yeah. that encounter with love. Uh, and we see just naturally by osmosis, right? When, when a bunch of great people that are following Jesus are together, insane things happen. There's businesses launched, right? There's, there's marriages, you know, we call it one nation, one bay. Sometimes <laughs> there's so many marriages have come out of, out of these trips. Uh, but then you also see just people that may be struggling or family struggling or, or people that are not following Jesus or are totally turned off by church. They find themselves on this trip, whether someone made them come or someone funded their trip, you know, and, and by, by just being in proximity to people that just are passionate, mm -hmm. passionately chasing after Jesus, we see people just rocked, just like encounters every night during team times, just incredible, incredible things happen. Uh, so we say anybody, anybody can come, you know, we've had for one day LA, a ton of different people join our team. We've had people from the LGBT community join the team. Like it doesn't matter. Like mm -hmm. this is about service and love without limits. So right. if we set a limit, we're not modeling that. <laughs> we, we have to, we have, we had a lot of conversation with ourselves. Like if you're going to say love, it has no limits. You better be able to back that up yeah. and be able to make this the most inclusive thing we've ever done. Uh, and that's been an, I think that's a challenge for the whole church. You know, uh, the church is not a building, right? We're, we're seeing that right now. The church is not a clubhouse. We're seeing that right now. The church is, uh, is, is people chasing after Jesus in their everyday lives. Uh, and, and we're seeing, I think the, one of the greatest opportunities probably in my lifetime I've seen to be able to get out and love people and be outward facing. So let's turn the seats around in the, in the, let's turn the pews around in the church and we're able to face and see the world, see the needs of the world and address those needs. And that's, I, that's why the church is exploding right now. I think, I think there's obviously this, this curiosity in people going, why, why is this happening? And they only can turn to heaven and say, kind of start to ask these questions and throw these questions towards heaven. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got this, the church stepping up loudly. I mean, I'm, my, my social media is packed with it. These churches just doing feeding drives and drive through prayer and drive through counseling and just stepping up and being a first responder mm -hmm. in the midst of crisis. And I believe that's exactly what Jesus had in mind for this. So somebody listening right now, let's say that they're feeling that tug that they want to do something. What, what is something that they can do now, whether it be through the local church or your, your organization? And what's something that maybe they can look forward to and put on their calendar and start praying about and getting excited about? Yeah, 100%. I think right now, all of us can meet a need, you know, and, and you may not be able to, you know, I've got, I've got four kids, young kids. I've got, you know, one of them has some health, health risks. You know, I can't necessarily go downtown to LA to the Dream Center interacting with people, right. you know, uh, exposing potentially my kids to, to this virus. And we're not so sure about what it is right now, right? But I can donate. I can give my time online. I can help lead and, and counsel people. I can call people. You know, there's, there's so many things I think we can do within our own world. Um, but I think if you can get involved with a local outreach or a local church that's doing something to combat this thing, mm -hmm. that's doing something to meet needs, that's being a first responder. And that's as easy as just Googling, you know, feeding programs in your city or outreaches in your city. If your church isn't doing anything, 
you know, there's other outreaches, other churches you could partner up with um, today and do something today or give to today. I think that's, that's such an easy turnkey thing. Um, and then with us, man, we, you know, we're feeling like potentially, um, you know, we do, do gather this global team for one day LA. We want 20,000 people last year in Peru. We gathered people from 43 nations to be a part of this team of 10,000 wow. that was in Peru. So we want that to happen. Obviously, <laughs> With a lot of nations shutting down international travel, with a lot of fear right now in travel, that may not be a realistic dream for 2020, but it will be for 2021. So I would say third week of July 2021, if you want to be a part of something historic, if you want to be a part of a revival in LA, if you want to be a part of something, just love and, and just on uh, a massive service on a massive scale, Join us in LA in 2021. I think it's going to be like July 18th through 24. Um, that's that's going to be just insane. If you're in the LA area, Southern California area, join us this summer as well. That's where we're feeling most of our, our team is going to be kind of coming from. Yeah. I saw One Day LA a couple of months ago before all this went down and have kind of already touched base with a buddy of mine that lives out there to see if I can stay with him. So I, I, plan, I don't know if I can come out this summer. I have a compromised immune system. So kind of like, you know, your kid, I have to, I have to be very cautious about what I do, yeah. but 2021, yeah. man, mark me down. I'm, I'm putting it on public record. I'll be there. Come on. Yes. <laughs> he's back after a eight year hiatus. He's back. Yeah. Bring him back. OG. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to help out, man. Anyway, any way that's needed. I'm hoping that somebody else listening to this right now, maybe has that tug on their spirit to you know, obviously first, like you said, start, start doing something locally, start doing something where you are right now. You know, even if it's just reaching out to a friend, going to give some blood, you know, I know that, you know, the American Red Cross needs blood right now and nobody's giving, Yeah. Um, go do that. And then where can they find more information about One Day LA? OneDayLA.com. Yeah. Perfect. Really simple. OneDayLA.com. You can follow us on Instagram at OneDayLA. You can follow some of our leadership, Dominic J. Russo, Jedediah Thurner, Gabe Balhorn, um, we just have an incredible leadership team, constant, great content online. You just encourage you, pick you up, build your faith every single day. Um, I, I mostly post memes. I, I don't post a ton of, <laughs> a ton of like great solid. Oh, I've been living off those memes lately, bro. Th- whoever's writing these memes needs like a Nobel peace prize at the end of the because <laughs> these things have been keeping me sane, bro. I've been laughing through this thing, keeping my joy very high because of these memes are just hysterical. Yeah. Oh my good. goodness. They're good. It has been so much fun. They're good. From the perspective of somebody who uh, went on their first uh, outreach trip with missions.me, I just want to echo what Matt was saying. I know it's confusing with Matt and Matt here, but <laughs> we do a radio show, dude. Matt and Matt in the morning. Matt Eminem. I mean, Triple M. I think that's there it is. Mondays with Matt and here Matt. Oh, wow. You just tripled it. (laughs) But I would just say that the first time that I thought about serving, uh, I was scared out of my mind. It was a big thing to undertake. But looking back now, I am so glad that I went. You know, that was the first time also, Matt, kind of to backtrack a little bit. That was the first time that I had ever seen anybody pray for physical healing before. And as somebody who has struggled in that area, you know, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis when I was 14 years old, and it's been a, a pretty big wow. struggle my whole life. Mm. That, that was a big point of contention in my faith. And so 
we had reached a point where I think one of the schools had canceled. So my team was just kind of sitting around and they asked, does anybody want to go pray what they called outside the gate? Because there, some people don't know this, but in San Pedro Sula, where you guys had the soccer stadium and the medical clinic set up, there were thousands of people waiting to receive care. Some of them waiting all week to get in. And so it was our job to go pray with the people waiting in line. And mm. I was terrified to do that. Mm. Um, just from, not that I was going to get hurt or anything, but from a perspective of, of, I just don't know what to expect. I don't know what to pray for. I don't know what the words, you know, I don't know what the words are going to be. What should I say? So Elvin, my translator, he came with me and, and, by that time, that was after like five days, you know, him and I had gotten close. On the way there, there was a guy, I don't remember his name, but he was kind of teaching us, teaching us how, how to pray for physical healing. And I remember going and I just observed at first. I was just, you know, I just interceded on their behalf. And Matt, I remember seeing a little boy, probably had to be five or six years old, and his Elvin was telling me what was going on. This little boy had never been able to hear. He was completely deaf. And so they started praying for, you know, praying for his healing, praying for hearing. I remember there being this very intimate time of, of prayer and the spirit was very heavy, man. Like the Holy Spirit was, yeah. was, was almost tangible. And then there was silence. And then the guy, whoever was praying for him, I remember he snapped his finger over his left ear and the kid turned his head to the left wow. and then he snapped mm -hmm. it by his right ear and he turned his head to the right. And then oh, I'm going to start crying. Then his dad said his name and he looked at his dad and they immediately started bawling. And I just realized, wow. dude, I just saw this kid here for the first time. I was so overwhelmed, man. I remember walking over and there was like a white truck. I don't know why. I remember the truck, but there was a white truck and all I could do was lean on the hood of the truck and weep. I mean, I wow. was bawling. But after that, dude, my faith was at a new high because I had seen something that I had struggled oh, changes with for so you. long. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, it changes you. Okay. Whew. Yeah. Well, I go. think it's so crucial. Uh, I think for every believer to have that, have that experience at some point that, that alters your faith. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I've seen, I've seen literally tumors fall off of, you know, tumor on an ear fall off in prayer. I've seen a woman that asking for us to pray for her, looked like she was pregnant, huge stomach, right? Sticking out like a, like a, like she was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And it turned out it was actually a tumor. We prayed and the little thing, like a basketball went down, just, Jeez. just totally, you have those moments and it changes your outlook on everything mm. and the way you approach everything and the way you approach God in prayer, when you do, how big you believe, you know, like, and, and that's, you know, my daughter 2016 was born 30 minutes or 18 minutes after she was born. Doctors rushed her out of the room. Her lungs were filling with liquid. Her heart wasn't working. They put her on, on bypass. Um, and for 18 hours we battled, she decreased, decreased, decreased. And at, I think about eight, yeah, 18 hours later, the doctors left the room and said, you're going to have to say goodbye to her. She's going to pass here very shortly. Mm. Um, and her blood, her pulse ox was down to 7%, um, which out of a hundred, right? So right now our oxygen is at a hundred percent. Hers was at seven, which is more, you know, death numbers. Wow. Doctors had left. 
And I just started battling, just screaming out, crying out in prayer in that room. Uh, a nurse came in, a believer, and grabbed her hand and her other foot and both sides. We just started warring for her and watched before my eyes as her pulse ox went from 7 to 10 to 15 to 20 to 30 to 40 to 50 to 60. The doctors came back in. They did a life-saving procedure. And I have a healthy three-and-a-half-year-old right now. Oh, man. Um, but it's... It's in those moments, you know, when you, when you pursue the things of God, when you, you know, you, you put yourselves in situations like you did on this trip, right? I'm not saying everyone's answer is a missions trip, but mm-hmm. places where God is moving, where you can have an encounter with God, it will change you. And then when those things happen in life, when crisis happens, there you are, you've seen it, you've experienced God, God moving, you've experienced his Holy Spirit. And it just flows out of you. It's the, the crushing, right? It's just like an olive. I think it, there's a biblical illustration of this olive, olive that crushes. And what comes out? Anointing. Uh, mm. You know, oil. Oil comes out when you're crushed. When you have those experiences with the Holy Spirit, you have those experiences with God, you are filling yourself, whether you know it or not, with that anointing, with that oil. And when big things happen, when crisis rears its ugly head, boom, that's what pours out of you. Not, not you know, um, you know, disbelief, not, you know, negative emotion, but faith, boom, right there in those moments. And so, yeah, I, I mean, that is just, again, just really just builds me back up, man. Um, you know, in these times of just not knowing we're going to have a trip, what's going to happen, just hearing some of these stories from you, bro, uh, has just been really, really refreshing. Thank you so much. Well, man, again, I appreciate you being on the podcast and sharing, you know, sharing your faith and sharing your wisdom, especially in a time where it feels like people are listening closer. And, um, yeah. you know, I wanted to make sure that I tapped on your shoulder. Cause as you said, you've learned a lot over the years and the story that you just mentioned with your daughter. I remember watching that because you shared that on social media. And I remember, I remember praying for your daughter with my wife, man. And, uh, wow. seeing that your faith, I don't, I don't know if I've ever even told you this before, man, but you're, your faith during that time really, really, really lifted my faith at that time. Mm. So I appreciate you sharing that. And you weren't sharing that to 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 brag. Oh God, no. You were sharing <laughs> that to brag God on God gets all the glory. Yeah. yeah you were God bragging on God. God. Yeah. But the yeah. fact that you would be so open and intimate with your family, I'm I'm sure that there's other people like me who you helped during that time just just by the sheer sharing of what God was doing in your life. And that's kind of why I'm doing the podcast. I just want to share what God's done in my life and hopefully it connects with somebody, but man, I just appreciate you being on the show for everyone. listening. Don't forget to go to one day LA, check that out. That's going to happen big time. Remind me when it is 2021. Yep. Uh, July uh, 18th through 24, 2021. Awesome. So we'll hope to see you guys in Los Angeles, but in the meantime, plug into your local church, give blood at the American Red Cross, head over to yeah. missions.me, see what they've got going on. Give if you feel led to give. I'm sure I'm sure they would appreciate your donation towards future endeavors. But Matt, thanks again for being on the show, man. I appreciate you. Man, pleasure's all mine. Thank you so much, Matt, for asking me. It's been It's been a blast. All right, man. Take care. Appreciate you, man. All right. You too. This episode of Tech Talks has ended, but be sure to subscribe for upcoming inspiration. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you transformative content. See you next time. Are you at the office? I am, yeah. I, I had to get away from the, uh, 
the, the family sitch just like you. So a lot of noise there. I got four kids under seven, bro. A very real situation there. The decibel level is is near criminal. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had to escape. <laughs>